And take your Bibles tonight. Go to Hebrews chapter 9, if you will, church. Hebrews chapter 9. I was telling Pastor earlier, we had a little time of prayer, and I was telling him, I was studying uh, this afternoon and uh, just spending some time with the Lord, and I thought the Lord had us go in a particular direction. And then all of a sudden, the Lord kind of changed that. And uh, God does that sometimes, doesn't He? You ever been that way? You thought you kind of had something figured out, thought you knew where the Lord had you headed, and then it would kind of change direction on you sometimes. And I'm going to tell you, church, what I've learned is that the Lord knows a lot better than I do. Amen? And uh, you get something set in your way, and you'll think, boy, this is what's best. And then the Lord just knows a lot better than you do, don't he? And, uh, and I'm thankful for what the Lord's led us to tonight. Notice Hebrews chapter number 9. I'm going to tell you, church, and I have to be careful because I say this a good, uh, a good bit, but this is, I think, one of my favorite books of the Bible. You ever read through the book of Hebrews? Isn't it a rich book? It is. And, uh, you know, you'll hear preachers say different things about the theme but in a lot of ways, Hebrews is all about how Jesus is better. And He is, isn't He? I mean, that's why you're here tonight. Because Jesus is better than anything else you'd be doing tonight, isn't He? And uh, He's just worthy. He's worthy of being worshipped. He's worthy of coming and listening to His Word for a while. And, uh, and so He's worthy. So notice Hebrews chapter number 9. And I want to notice just one verse here, and then we'll turn around and get some thoughts tonight. Notice Hebrews chapter 9 and verse number 27. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Let's read that one more time. As it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Lord, we love you tonight. And I want to thank you, Father, that some 2,000 years ago, you took my sin and you nailed it to the cross. And Lord, although physically I wasn't there to see, Lord, in my mind, in my heart, as we just sang a minute ago, were you there, Lord? We can imagine the sufferings of Jesus Christ. And so thank you for the cross of Christ. I pray, Father, we wouldn't get over that tonight. It's so easy, Lord, after you've been saved for some years to just forget the sacrifice that was made and, and just take for granted the joy that comes in knowing Christ is your Savior. And so thank you, Father, tonight that we have that privilege. And Lord, thank you for your word tonight. Father, thank you for your people. It's a Monday night. Uh, Lord, it was a busy day yesterday, and, and most of these folks sort of have busy days today, and yet they've come into your house, sacrificing, Lord, their time uh, to come in. And I pray, Father, you honor them tonight, and that you speak to their hearts. And Father, I realize tonight, uh, like I often do, it's not me these folks need to hear from. Father, it's you, and it's your word, it's the Holy Spirit. So Father, help me not to be in the way tonight. I'm thankful for the opportunity to speak, uh, Lord, on your behalf. But I don't want to get in the way. Lord, you just take control tonight. You say what you'd have said and, and deal with our hearts in the way that you want to deal with us. And Lord, speak to my heart tonight. Lord, about this matter of one day standing before you. And remind us of a truth tonight, Lord, that ought to not just be a truth that's in our, in our mind, but in our hearts and lives. It ought to change us, Father. And so do your work in our midst tonight, Father, and keep us alert and awake and attentive to your word. And to get glory out of, out of your house and your people tonight, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You know, church, life is uh, filled with appointments, isn't it? And, uh, boy, you make them, sometimes you break them, don't you? And uh, life's just filled with all kinds of appointments. I'm going to tell you some appointments I would rather miss, okay? And uh, there's just some appointments on your schedule that, that, that are just necessary, uh, but you'd rather miss. For instance, I, uh, we're uh, traveling to Africa. In fact, a week from right now, Lord willing, we'll be somewhere over the Atlantic Ocean, okay? And over it, okay? Not on it or under it, but over it and uh, headed to Africa. You know what? I've got an appointment. I've, I've got a flight. But today I had to schedule a COVID test. 
And uh, that was kind of a bummer, you know. It's one of those things you got to do nowadays to travel and, and, and uh, all that. And so I, I just I just as soon miss it, just to be honest. I scheduled it today. It's going to cost money, and you got to stick that thing up your nose, you know, and all that. There's some appointments that you'd rather uh, miss. I don't always enjoy going to the dentist, okay? And if you're a dentist in the room, I don't mean to offend you. I really don't. But just something about somebody sticking stuff in my mouth is just not pleasant uh, if it's not food, you know. And I don't always enjoy that. There's some appointments that I'd rather amiss. On a serious note, you know, maybe you've lost a loved one. Well, that's an appointment maybe you'd rather miss. We're talking about a sweet missionary that went home to be with Jesus today. What's well, tough? Maybe you've had those appointments where uh, they've given you bad news about a, a, a diagnosis, a cancer, or, or a heart problem, those types of things. Uh, there's, there's some hard appointments in life. There's some appointments I'm thankful to go to. I'm thankful that I had. I'm thankful that I was born the day that I was born. I'm thankful that uh, I had that appointment my mom did. I'm thankful uh, for our kids. I remember the day that our kids were born. Boy, those are good appointments, you know. I remember the first time we were told that we were expecting, and, and uh, we, we thought we were, but I remember going into the hospital, and you hear that heartbeat, and all of a sudden things get real. It's like, man, somebody's in there, you know. And, and, uh, but I'm thankful for that. It was a special day. I'm thankful for uh, my wedding day, and I made that appointment. Remember the day I got my driver's license, the day I killed my first deer. That was a, that was a big day, you know. And, and I had my uncle with me, and, and that was a cool day. I, I just, I'm thankful for some appointments. And I want to tell you tonight, church, what I want to do for a few minutes is look at two appointments that we are all going to have. And I'm going to tell you, we all have different appointments. This week, you've got times you're going to be somewhere. I've got times to, to meet with somebody or, or, or have a, a meal with somebody and those, those, those appointments. But I'm going to tell you, all of us will have these two appointments in, in common in our lives. And before we jump into those two appointments, I want to tell you a few things about them, okay? Number one, you don't have to schedule these appointments because they've already been scheduled for you. And, you know, there are some things, like today, I had to pick up the phone, make a call, and say, uh, you know, could I, you know, what times do you have available, and, and put me down, and I'll be there. But I just want to tell you, you don't have to schedule these appointments. A time and a place has already been scheduled, okay? It's got your name on it. Secondly, I want to tell you about these appointments, that they're going to happen regardless of what you do. I mean, it's not... We'll look at this in just a minute, but these are not appointments that you can avoid or appointments that you can even put off. These are appointments that you'll have in your life and that, that I'm going to have in my life. Thirdly, what you do on earth affects how these appointments go. We're going to look at that tonight. And, and I want to give you a fourth truth before we jump into these appointments, and that is that the outcome of these appointments could be changed tonight. And in the days ahead, how these appointments go. And so I want you to notice quickly with me tonight, we won't be long, I don't plan to be long tonight, but two appointments that we're all going to have, and we're going to find them right here in this passage. Notice verse 27 again, and as it is appointed unto men once to die. The first appointment that you have and that I have, church, is an appointment with death. Boy, that's a pleasant thought, isn't it, tonight? That's what you came on a Monday night to hear, isn't it? That uh, we're all going to die someday. You know what? Before I go into that, the Lord could come back, couldn't he? And uh, by His grace, we could be raptured up. You've heard people say, haven't you? We're looking for the upper taker, not the undertaker, right? That'd be okay. I don't look forward to dying. It's not something that is a pleasant thought. But the Bible does say it's appointed unto men once to die. And I want to talk to you about that appointment for just a minute. Church, would you know, first of all, that you have an appointment of death because of sin? 
because of sin. Take your Bible, if you will. Let's go to the book of Genesis this, this evening and just, just take a look. Why do people have to die? I mean, my goodness, wouldn't life be just a lot easier and a lot sweeter? And there'd be a whole lot less sorrow if we didn't have to go to funerals, Pastor. I mean, if you didn't have to visit the hospital and deal with hospice and have to go to funerals. And, you know, I, uh, I tell folks, uh, my granddad was a pastor, and so I went to a lot of two different uh, things. I went to a lot of weddings and a lot of funerals. And I prefer the weddings, just to be honest. There's punch and cake. And so as a little kid, you know, you, you like that. But I went to a lot of funerals. I'm going to tell you, I've been to funerals where the caskets are big. I've been to funerals where the caskets are small. The first funeral that I ever preached as a, as a young just minister was for a 13-year-old teenager in our youth group who died. And, and, and so why? Why do people have to die? Why did it was a missionary serving Jesus? Given his life in a country, if I were just dead level honest with you, that I, I, I'd have big reserves about taking my family into, and yet this, this, this gentleman and his family was serving God, making great sacrifice, and yet he went into eternity today. Why does that happen? Notice Genesis chapter number 2, and I want you to notice church verse number 15. We're back in the Garden of Eden. There is no sin. There is no death. There's no sorrow. There's no COVID or the flu or sickness or cancer or any of those things. But in Genesis chapter number 2, verse 15, God has got a... Got a rule he wants his people to follow. Notice verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And uh, notice, interesting, just a side note, church, that work was not a result of sin, was it? No, there was work before sin. God created man to work. And so he said, Adam, listen, I've got a job for you. You're going to keep the garden. Notice verse 16, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but... Of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest, uh, eatest uh, thereof, thou shalt surely die. So Adam, listen, here's one rule. You, you can have any fruit in this garden, uh, but this one tree I don't want you to eat of, because if you eat of that tree, you're going to die. You know, some people would ask the question, why even create that tree? I mean, why, why even allow there to be temptation? I guess you could put it that way. Or, or why even have this tree? Well, don't you know, church, why you were created? God created you for His pleasure. To glorify Him. And in His plan, isn't it amazing that God knew the greatest way for Him to get pleasure, the greatest way for Him to get glory, was to give us a choice. I want to tell you, there, there's not real pleasure in a robot doing what it's programmed to do. I mean, there's maybe some small pleasure in that. But I tell you what, when your kids choose to obey you, and your kids choose to do what's right. Boy, there's great love and adoration. And so God knew the greatest design for us was to give us a choice. And when we choose to love Him and serve Him instead of ourselves, that brings Him pleasure. That brings Him glory. There's no accident in creating this tree. God doesn't make any mistakes. But He said, listen, if you eat of this tree, you're going to die. So notice uh, chapter number 3. And you know the story here, don't you? Eve's in the garden and, and the devil in the form of a snake. A serpent here comes in. You know, I don't like snakes. Just a side note there. Only, only good snake's a dead snake, you know. And, and uh, I'm just not a big snake fan. And, uh, and, and notice the devil became a snake. I mean, there's got something to be there, right, you know. And notice uh, verse number one. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made him. He said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And church, I'm going to tell you, that's how the devil gets you. He just wants you to question what God said. And notice what Eve said. The woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Now, Eve's got part of that, right? But God didn't say, Don't touch it, did he? He said, Don't eat of it. 
Notice verse number 4, And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. And that was a lie. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. Now I want to ask you a question. God said in the moment that you eat of that fruit, you're going to die. I don't ask you just a little bit of a trick question tonight. Was that true? Did they die? Yes. And no. Right? Spiritually speaking, that moment, there was separation from God. Separation. I mean, they had never had a problem fellowshipping with God. They had never had, God would come and walk with them, and all of a sudden there's embarrassment. And there's, we want to hide. We, want, we don't want God to see us. And so in that moment, church, there was spiritual death, spiritual separation. And you know what? Physical death followed that, didn't it? Look at chapter number 4. Notice chapter number 4. In chapter number 2, we have God's standard, God's rule. In chapter number 3, that rule is broken. So sin enters. And notice chapter number 4. It didn't take long. And death, even physical death, is right there. Notice chapter number 4 and verse number 1. Adam knew Eve, his wife. And she conceived and bare Cain and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth. And his countenance fell. And so notice verse 6, what happened? And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Notice verse number 8, And Cain talked with Abel his brother. It came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. Four chapters in the Bible, there's murder. You know why? Sin. Sin. Church, I want you to know death is a, is a result of sin, isn't it? Death is a result of sin. Death, death is not God's fault. You know, sometimes we have to be careful and we can get angry at God and, and, and get frustrated and all those things, but death, death is not God's fault. Death is a result of sin. It's a result of man's choice. And so we have this appointment with death because of sin. And you know tonight that we're all sinners, don't you? I don't have to convince you of that. Let your wife do that, okay? And, uh, or let your kids do that. Boy, they can tell you, can't they? We're all sinners. Notice the second thought. We have an appointment with death that is caused by sin. But I'm going to say secondly tonight, this appointment with death often comes by surprise. Doesn't it? Not many people plan their death. Some do, and that's often tragic, isn't it? Often not, 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 certainly not the way God would choose, but often death comes by surprise. Think of, in fact, let's go there. If you're in the book of Hebrews, or, or maybe you're still in Genesis, go just to the next book, uh, the book of James there. The book of James, a good book, a powerful book, a lot of good preaching in this book. And notice James chapter number 4. And God has something to say here about death and about how life is short. And, and it often, we don't know what's on the morrow. Notice James chapter number 4 and verse number 13. Go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get game. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow for what is your life. It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time 
and then vanisheth away. You know, death often comes by surprise. Luke chapter number 12, there's a rich man who's making plans for tomorrow. Nothing wrong with making plans for tomorrow. I have plans for tomorrow, and nothing wrong with that. But this rich man is so focused on tomorrow, he's got forgotten what's important today. So he says, I'll tear my barns down, I'll build, I'll build bigger barns, and he's making financial plans, and finally the Lord comes to him and says, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Well, that wasn't on his schedule, was it? Death often comes by surprise. I'm a, I'm a little weird. I told you I've been to a lot of funerals, and sometimes I'll sit in a funeral, and the singing's going on, the preaching, and I'll, I'll think something like this. You ever thought something like this? As I'm sitting there in the funeral, the casket's maybe up there towards the front, and I'll think something like this. Hey, somebody in this room is going to be next. And nobody thinks it's them. Ever thought that way? I mean, I know, I realize you get to a certain age and you think, like Abraham in the Bible, uh, or, or Jacob rather in the Bible, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to die any day, you know? And you just feel like it's coming. But, but as a general rule, nobody thinks, boy, it'll probably be me up there next. You know, they'll be walking by to see me. Nobody thinks that way. Death often comes by surprise. They tell us the number one cause of death amongst teens in the United States is accidents. You don't plan those, do you? Something like 2,700 just teens, not even including adults, die every single uh, or, or died in car accidents in 2020. I was thinking about earlier this year. I went by to see my granddad. We're actually living in his house now, and I went by to see my granddad, and uh, it was a normal day. And I just stopped by to visit with him, you know, a little bit. I love my granddad. He hasn't had the strength that he used to have. He was a barber for 50 years. I mean, he stood up and cut a lot of hair, so let him sit down for a little while, you know. And, and I went by to see him. Hey, Gramps, how you doing? Had a good conversation. And then I remember later that day, I got a, I got a, a text or a phone call that something had happened to my granddad. Well, he spent about the next two weeks sleeping. He'd wake up off and on. He'd know who you were. And then he was in eternity just like that. You don't schedule those things. comes by surprise. February 3rd of 2020, the group of cross-country athletes in Oklahoma warming up on the, on, the, on, the, on the sidewalk, warming up just outside the school. I mean, it's just a normal day. This cross-country team not doing anything wrong. And here's these 17 and 18 and 16-year-olds warming up, just, just ready to go run, ready to practice. And a, and a truck hopped the curve and just plowed over these students. It was three of them lost their lives. I was thinking about just last week in the state of Alabama, the, uh, the college that my brother graduated from, I guess it's probably 45 minutes or an hour from us, and Jacksonville State University, and a 22-year-old college student is walking across a sidewalk, and boom, car nails her. They don't know yet if she didn't see it coming, or if it was ill intent, or, or somebody was under the influence, or what was going on. Just nails her, 22 years old. She's air flighted to the hospital where my mom works, UAB, and two days later, she's gone. I'm telling you, you don't plan those things. Nobody, nobody, most people don't wake up saying, you know, this is probably the day. This is it. We were having a conversation, you know, my wife and I, we're, uh, I'm going to Africa in a few days. And uh, it, the country I'm going to, you go online right now, they'll say, don't go. It's not the safest place in the world to go. You know, I don't know. I don't, I don't plan to die. I don't want to die. But you know what? It could come. It could happen, couldn't it? Death often comes by surprise. How about May of this year? Elementary school, Uvalde, Texas. 19 elementary. Are you kidding me? These are kids that were playing on the playground. These are kids that they got their whole life in front of them. And 19 elementary students and two teachers are gone just like that. 
So the point being tonight, church, you have an appointment with death, and, and it's caused by sin, and it comes by surprise. And I'll give you one more thought. It cannot be stopped. Cannot be stopped. I guess in a medical sense, sometimes we can bring someone back, can't we? Sometimes we can revive someone. Sometimes we put someone on a ventilator and kind of do the breathing for them or we keep their heart going. And so in a medical sense, I guess we can prolong death a little bit and, and kind of bring someone back and, and, and give them another chance. But notice verse number 27, again, Hebrews chapter 9. And God says, it's appointed. In other words, listen, it's on the calendar and the Lord knows it and it's going to happen and it's, it's not going to be stopped. When it's your time to go, you're, you're going to go. And I tell you, church, tonight, whether it's your fault or it's an accident or it's a health situation or you just, just live to be old, and it doesn't really matter. It's going to happen, isn't it? It's going to happen to all of us. In fact, just to kind of think about it tonight, you'd have more of a chance stepping onto some railroad track out here with a train bolting down the track. You'd have more of a chance standing in front of that train trying to stop it than you would death when it comes your way. It's just going to happen, isn't it? I was reading, it's kind of a funny story, I was reading a, it's like a, a, a Middle Eastern a fable, I guess it is, and uh, one, of the, one of the richer men had a servant, he sent his servant into the market to, to, to get some things, and in the market he ran into Lady Death, fictional character of course, and, and so this, this, uh, 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 th this uh, servant was scared to death, man, uh, not literally, but he was scared and he thought, boy, I've got to run away. And so he did. He went back to his master and his master said, hey, listen, uh, you've got to go. You've got to get on the, on the fastest horse we got. You need to get away from her, man. And so he sent, he sent him to a city. We'll say, for instance, he sent him uh, to, to Baghdad. He, he said, go, go as fast as you can into Baghdad. And so the master sent his servant on him. The master went into the market. He thought, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to track this lady down and find out why it is. Is that, that she scared my servant so bad. And finally, he came around the corner and he found Lady Death. And he said, hey, listen. He said, you saw my servant this afternoon and you about scared him. You, you about scared him out of his mind. And, and what do you mean by that? And Lady Death turned to the master and she said, well, I was shocked. She said, I was here in the city and I saw your servant. And she said, well, I've got a meeting with him in Baghdad tonight. I'm going to tell you. You can do what you want to to escape death, but when it comes, when it's appointed, it's going to come. Church, I'm not trying to scare you tonight. I, I just want to give you a fact tonight. This is an appointment that you're not going to miss. It's an appointment you're going to have. But notice the second appointment God gives us. Notice back in Hebrews chapter number 9 and verse 27. As it is appointed unto men once to die, but that's not all, is there? But after this, the judgment. Secondly, I want to tell you tonight, church, not only do you and I have an appointment with death, but we have an appointment with deity. You're going to stand before God someday. Church, can I just tell you, that fact right there, if you live in the reality of that fact, it changes everything about the way you live. The fact that one day I'm going to stand before the King of Kings, before the God who created me and has given me every good thing in my life, and I'm going to give an answer for the way that I live. You ever thought to yourself, sometimes the bad guy gets away with things down here? You ever felt that way? Can I just tell you, when you stand before God and when He stands before God, nobody gets away with anything. And I want to tell you, there's two places you could meet God. And, and if you've been in church your life, you know these two places. But the first place could be the great white throne judgment. Take your Bible. Go to the book of Revelation, chapter number 20. If you die without Jesus, you die without knowing Him as your Savior, then this is where you're going to meet God. 
And we call it the great white throne because that's what the Bible calls it. Notice Revelation chapter number 20. And I want you to start reading with me in verse number 11. Revelation chapter number 20, verse 11. Everyone who, who dies without Christ will meet God before this throne. And at this judgment. Notice verse 11. And I saw a great white throne. There it is. And him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, the dead being those that died without Christ. The wages of sin is death. And so these are those that died without Christ. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. The sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. If you die without Jesus, that means you escaped Him. You don't have to believe in Him. You don't have to think He's real. Uh, he is real, and one day you'll meet Him, and you'll know that He's real, and you'll stand before Him one day. I know we're turning a lot of places tonight. I want you to take your Bible and go to Matthew chapter number 7. Matthew chapter number 7, church, gives us, I think, some dialogue of what it might sound like with those that stand before God at this great white throne judgment. Matthew chapter number 7, Jesus is teaching, and I want you to notice uh, what, what He says people will say. Notice Matthew chapter 7, look at verse number 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day. The first thing I see here is that words are not enough, are they? It's not enough just to say that Jesus is God. It's not enough just to say, well, I go to church and I sing the songs and, and I believe this and I believe that. He says, listen, there will be many that come to me and say, hey, we, I called you Lord. I mean, I, I taught a Sunday school. In fact, note, keep reading. Notice what he says. Verse 22, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? Notice, church, not only are words not enough, but works are not enough. He said, listen, they're going to come to me, and they're going to say, hey, listen, uh, we, we did great things. God, we gave an offering, and, and, uh, and, and, and we cast out demons, and we did all these things. And notice what the Lord's going to say, verse 23, And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Church, can I tell you tonight, there's only one thing that gets you into heaven, and that's the blood of Jesus Christ. And if it's not applied to your account, then you're not getting in. I'm going to tell you something. You stand before the Lord, and many will on that day, and you can throw anything and everything and every good work and every excuse and every bit of Scripture and all those things at the Lord, and, and, and it won't work because the one thing that you need, you don't have, and that's the blood of Jesus Christ. Imagine you stand before God, and uh, you stand outside of heaven, just, just theoretically tonight, and the Lord comes to you and He says, Hey, listen, why should I let you in? Why should you get into heaven? And what are you going to say? And what He says is some people would try to say, Well, Lord, I, I, I did good things. And Lord, I was a good person. You hear that sometimes, don't you, from people? I'm a pretty good person, you know. I go to church. I, I've been baptized. And what the Lord's going to say is, Listen, uh, you know, that's all good and well. Uh, but, but, but you don't have my Son as your Savior. I don't see His blood on your account. Church, I'm going to tell you, if you die without Jesus, then you're going to meet God. You have an appointment with deity, but it'll be at the great white throne of judgment. But notice, church, if you do 
die knowing Jesus. And I would assume on a Monday night that'd be most of us, wouldn't it? Don't you know the Lord? If you don't tonight, you can. But don't you know the Lord? You remember when you got saved? Amen. We have an appointment too, don't we? And it's not at this great white throne. In fact, uh, take your Bible. I want you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 with me tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 tells us of where we will meet the Lord. And we call this judgment, don't we? We call this judgment the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ. And this is where Christians meet the Lord. In fact, as you're turning there, I want to read to you Romans chapter number 14. Verses 9 to 12. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be the Lord both of the dead and living. By, uh, uh, but why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Now notice 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, notice verse number 9. Wherefore we labor... We work, right? We serve that whether present or absent, we may, we may be accepted of him. For we, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done. Whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are made manifest unto God. And I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. You know, church, we're going to stand before the Lord someday. What a sobering thought. And I'm going to give you a couple thoughts about this judgment. Notice, this is a judgment of our works. And can I tell you, it's not a judgment of whether our works are good, or good enough to get us into heaven. Amen. Aren't you thankful for that? If you're standing at this judgment, you're in. Amen. You're in because of what Jesus has done and because your faith has been put in Him alone for your salvation. You're in. But we are going to be stand before the Lord and be judged for our works. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 27 gives us this. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of His Father with His angels, and then He shall reward every man according to His works. Can I tell you, when I heard about this missionary dying today and just thinking about it, I thought, you know, he's got a crown in heaven, doesn't he? He's got the martyr's crown. There's a crown for those that give their life for Jesus. You read your Bible and you find that. And you know what? He laid up a crown in heaven today. It's worth more than what most of us will ever have. <laughs> just, just be honest. So we're judged according to our works. And this is not necessarily the physical work that we do, although it can involve that. This is what we've done for the Lord. What we've done, church, with the spiritual gifts that He's given us. You realize tonight, if you have the Spirit, then you have spiritual gifts. There's nobody that goes ungifted. And if you don't know what those gifts are tonight, you need to do a little study. You need to find out. Because God's given the body of Christ different gifts. And it's just amazing. And those gifts are not for your edification. They're for the church's edification. They're to benefit the person across the aisle from you. And so God's given us these gifts. And one day we'll stand before Him and we'll say, Hey, listen, what would you do with those gifts? God's given us a testimony, the gospel. He says we're stewards of the mysteries of God. And it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And so one day we'll stand before the Lord and he'll say, Hey, listen, what would you do with the testimony that I gave you? What would you do with the gospel? You knew the gospel and your neighbor didn't or your coworker didn't or there's people around the world who didn't, so what would you do with that? How about the time that he's given us? And God's given us these days to serve Him, to live for Him, to make a difference. And we're going to stand before Him. And the Lord may ask, hey, what would you do with those 40 and 50 and 60 years? And God's given you uh, talents. He's given you ability. He's given you money, finances. We can invest those things, can't we? And so this is a judgment of our works. Secondly, I want you to see this is a judgment in which we're given rewards. 
Church, can I tell you, God is so good, and He rewards those that are faithful to Him. The faithful man shall abound with blessings. Church, can I tell you, we can lay up treasure in heaven. Isn't that a blessing tonight? You know, you can have so little here on earth, and you, you can be so rich in heaven. That's encouraging to me. I'm going to tell you something kind of funny. I came to a point in my life, uh, Pastor, I guess as a minister, where I just realized I'm never going to have a lot of money. You know? And I just came to this point of like, you know, it's just not going to happen. And, and sometimes people contact me about, man, I've got this idea. You want to work for me and all these things. And I'm just thinking, it's just not going to work. You know? And, but you know what? I've come to this conclusion. Though I may not have a lot of nice things here on earth, by God's grace, I can have some treasure in heaven. And you can too, church. You can't too. You can have treasure in heaven and stand before the Lord someday and receive those crowns, not for your glory, but crowns that you can lay at His feet for His glory. Boy, what a day that'll be. So this is a judgment in which we're given rewards. Isn't that what Paul said? I fought a good fight. I, I, uh, I finished my course. I kept the faith. Henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. Notice this, church. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. And church, I want to tell you this tonight. It's a judgment. For the saved, it's a judgment of our works. It's a judgment in which we're given rewards. But I think, church, it's a judgment in which some, if not many, will stand ashamed. There's coming a day, church, where God, where God will wipe away all tears. And we won't have to deal with those things anymore. But I do think there's going to be some tears shed before that day. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 15, If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Church, can you imagine standing before the Lord that day and him saying, Hey, what did you do? What did, what did you bring me? Who did you bring? Did you, did you bring anybody with you? Those gifts that I gave you? Man, I blessed you financially. You know, I, I gave you abilities and I, I gave you people to influence. And, I, and What did you do? Boy, what a, what a day to have to stand empty-handed before the Lord. I don't want to do that, do you? I don't want to do that. I want to hear those words, church, well done. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. So let me give you a final thought. We're done tonight. There's two appointments. We have an appointment with death. We have an appointment with deity. And then after those appointments, you know, don't you, that we're appointed somewhere forever. And by God's grace, church, if you know the Lord is your Savior, what a, what a glorious thought to think that we will spend all of eternity with Him. What a day. What a day that will be. But for the lost, there is an eternity in a lake of fire. It's a hard thought for me, isn't it? We lost a great uncle. My, my grandmother's uh, brother died earlier this year, and he was lost. I went to him, Pastor the Lord, impressed upon my heart really strongly to go try to witness to him. And I didn't know he was weeks away from dying. But, but I, I, I had just not been the witness that I should have been to him. The Lord impressed me. Hey, you need to go see Uncle Fred. You need to go share the gospel with him. And I did. I, I said, Uncle Fred, I want you to go to heaven someday. And I want you to know peace in your heart. I want you to know you're forgiven. Here he is. And, and just dwindling down the last years of his life. And he didn't want to do, he didn't want anything to do with it. He's in eternity tonight. Church, we're going to live somewhere forever. Your neighbor's going to live somewhere forever. You know, I think when I think of this, I think of the illustration of Noah in the Bible. Here's Noah Church, and he's preaching. For 120 years, he's preaching, and he's saying, Hey, listen, you need to come in while the door's open. You need to come in while there's grace. And the idea is that God closes the door to the ark, doesn't he? Noah didn't close the door. I don't even know if Noah possibly, humanly possibly could have closed the door. But God closed the door. And then can't you imagine with me, once the rain started, people started coming, didn't they? I can't imagine what they were saying. Noah, Noah, you've got to let me in. Noah, 
you know, I believe you now, Loa. And uh, come on, Noah, my kids are out here and, and my grandkids are out here. And, and Noah, man, the water's getting higher. You've got to open the door and I can't imagine. But Noah may be tear-filled on the inside saying, I can't. God closed it and I can't open it. And don't you know that for all of us there's coming a day where that door's closed. There is no purgatory, is there? Sunday night, read your Bible cover to cover. You never find that idea. Uh, the rich man died, and in hell he lift up his eyes, and he's there tonight. So the idea, church, is why the doors open, be safe. Why the doors open, serve the Lord. Why the doors open for others, share the gospel with them. Because they've got the same appointments you do. An appointment with death, an appointment with deity, and then an appointment somewhere for all of eternity. I challenge you, the doors open, and so may we labor while the doors open. There's a great hymn writer, and I'll close with this tonight. I, I often love, uh, sometimes we sing hymns and, and, and we don't know the stories behind them. And when you learn the story, boy, it just gives great meaning. There was a hymn writer many, many years ago, and he had heard of a young Christian who had, had been saved not very long, and, 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 and not long after he was saved, he was diagnosed with a terminal disease. And he was young, he wasn't really an older uh, person, and so as he lay there on his deathbed, he was said to have uh, uh, said the, these words. He said, I'm not afraid to die. Jesus, save me now. But must I go empty-handed? The hymn writer, he heard those words and pondered them in his mind. And so he wrote these words. It's a hymn that we don't sing a lot anymore, but it's a good hymn. He wrote this. He said, must I go and empty-handed? Thus my dear Redeemer meet? No not one day of service give him, lay no trophy at his feet. Not at death I shrink or falter, for my Savior saves me now, but to meet him empty-handed, thought of that now clouds my brow. Oh, the years of sinning wasted, could I but recall them now, I would give them to my Savior, to his will I'd gladly bow. Oh, ye saints, arouse, be earnest, up, and work while yet tis day, ere the night of death o'ertake thee. Strive for souls while still you may. The chorus, must I go, and empty-handed must I meet my Savior so. Not one soul with which to greet him, must I empty-handed go. Here's I want to challenge you. I, I just be honest, this is not what I was planning to preach tonight, but the Lord just kind of moved in a direction this afternoon. Maybe he knew I needed it, probably so. You know, some appointments that you have that you know you're going to have change the way you live. You know you got a health appointment coming up. You may eat a little bit healthier, don't you? You know you got a dentist appointment coming up. You may brush a little bit more. Church, knowing that you're going to meet Jesus someday ought to change the way you live your life. Your priorities change. Your priority of souls and, and giving to missions and, and serving Jesus and putting the Lord first, it changes. Why? Because I'm going to stand before Him someday. And, and, and we could say this about so many things, but really and truly, I'm not going to give an answer to the Lord for how great an athlete I am. I'd be in trouble. I'm not going to give the Lord an answer for how much money I had in the bank or, 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 or what I did in, in so many areas of my life. But you know what? I will give an answer for what I did with what He gave me. Did I use the time He gave me? Did I use the, the abilities He gave me? Did I, did I serve Him? Was I obedient to Him? Were there souls that, that I should have won that, that, that I didn't? I'm going to give an answer to Him for that. And you know, church, knowing that ought to change the way that I live. So we have an appointment with death and with deity and then somewhere forever. 
And may God help that church to change the way we live our lives tonight. Father, we love you. And Lord, it's not a pleasant thought to think about dying. It's not something church, uh, as, a, as a church or as, a, as, a, as a, a, a Christian even that we enjoy dwelling on. Lord, we enjoy singing, dwelling on heaven. But death is not really a pleasant experience. But Father, remind us tonight that we are frail and we are weak. And although we'd all like to think we have many 